Hey, welcome to the episode of Chad's Beer Podcast. Sorry, I can't come up with a more clever title than that, but today we're talking to Darwin from Darwin's Beer Reviews. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. What are you drinking? I got a uh, half acre daisy cutter pale ale. Uh, Ryan had were at the uh, boring table, uh, sent me a bunch of beers, and this is a double. So I reviewed this already. This is uh, Enchant- Enchanted Vines. Uh, so oh, there it goes. But, so Lupo Lager. So it's like a hoppy lager. Uh, collaboration Hopewell out of Chicago, 6.6%. Uh, Mitchell Foy, Macau, Nelson, Motswick. Wow, this beer is really piney. I don't. Re- I didn't remember that. It was also supposed to be very bitter for paleo. Like it's almost like a. Mm. Yeah, that's like what I, I was looking at my yeah. my previous reviews of this, and I, I both times I'm like, this is more of an IPA. Yes, than a paleo. Uh, same thing like um, Dale's paleo. It's just like yeah, I was just about to say yeah, extraordinarily bitter for a quote unquote paleo. You're like, oh, it's basically yeah. an IPA. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. So we should start like at the beginning because like. You're originally from Long Island, right? Yeah. And then, so how did you get into beer? Also, how, what's your age? Sorry, because I'm 48, 47. I, I don't know. I kind of lose track. 47. Jeez, <laughs> uh, what am I now? I'm 35. Yeah, 35. You're 35? Yeah. So when I was graduating high school, you were in first grade? <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. All right, so how did you uh, how did you get into beer originally? You want the how how fast how, how long of a oh I mean would, it's how, a podcast. how long of a version would you like to go with? So we can go yeah, with the long version. Whatever you want to, however much energy you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I'll give you the uh, relatively short the shorter version of it. Right. So basically, um. I actually got to sit beer a little bit later than some people. Some people like uh, immediately gravitated uh, gravitate towards it even like before they're 21 and you know get right into it. My friends were actually into craft beer before me. So you probably know these beers. We're talking about like uh, Ithaca Flower Power and Brooklyn Black Chocolate, Six Points. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, so, I mean, those are just big beers in New York. And in that time, we're talking about like what, like around the year, 2008 2010 right um and then i was always just curious about it being a foodie and all that and then eventually one day um i was at a a local bar and it's like a dive but like it's actually some one of the best tap lists in uh, long island and they had a bourbon they had bourbon county on draft and sort of that's a beer that sort of just like hit you know like Mm -hmm. nothing ever beer wise ever was so bold and uh I was around like what uh, at that time I was probably 20, 24 actually. Um, and it just like threw me into the, you know, I, I, you know, some people just catch the bug and the, you know, next thing you know, I'm on like beer menus, trying to like beer menus and beer advocate, trying to find beers that are like, Hey, what's the top rate on beer advocate and go on beer yeah. menus. Like what can I find? And then it becomes, you know, like a few months later, I find a bar in Brooklyn that has Hetty Topper. I try Hetty Topper the first time. And then um, I start trading and then I start going to bottle shares. And then, you know, you, you, you take your first trip to Vermont, so, you know, you try Hill Farmstead and the Alchemist and uh, Lawson's and all that. And that's like literally within a span of like 2012. 
to 2013, 2014, like bam, like that's that fast. And then and then the, the YouTube channel just like immediately starts growing soon after that. So oh, that's funny. Like, so when you got into craft beer, you just went like straight for the ropes course, like straight to the top shelf stuff. Cause like most people start with like, you know, lager and then like they go to a Sam Adams or a Saranacker or Line and Kugel. No, like yeah, that. you're right. Yeah. Some people find like a, a very easy, approachable um, beginner beer. But for me, it was the impression and impact. And to this day, like Brum County is still one of my favorite beers of all time. But I mean, yeah. but yeah, that's that's the like you're right. A lot for a lot of people, it's a more accessible and not only like flavor wise, but also just like more ubiquitous beer. Bourbon County is pretty special. And like, you know, but that's the one that hit for me. Like that's one that like I was like, okay, well now I understand. Like, you know, for me, uh the, uh, the IPAs didn't make sense to me yet. Or uh, super even like um Brooklyn black chocolates didn't make sense to me because both those beers are actually very bitter versus Bourbon mm -hmm. County goes the other way, right? So it's like bourbon, sweet, alcohol, you know, tons of bower character and all that. So that's sort of one that Yeah, I remember the first time I had Bourbon County. I thought, it, I mean, I thought it was good, but I, I didn't think it was great. But I think that was like the 2008 vintage or something. It was like in a 12 ounce bottle. You know, it didn't was really that start to get the white good. black or was that? Yeah. That um, probably was white black label. Wow. So you're going way far back. Because my first vintage was 2012. That's the one that hit me. Was it a 12 ounce or 500 mil? No, for sure, it was in uh, two months. And then it was either 2008, probably was the black white label, like the original label. I mean, I, ha I think I have a, actually have one, the uh, the remake that they did, like uh, let's say last year, uh, in the twelve in the in the four packs. But... Hang on, I'm going to bring up my. Uh... And then the one I had was the also twelve ounce bottle, but um, in uh with the like the grayish blackish label hey where'd it go i just did a search for bourbon county oh yeah here it is 2008 was the first oh, sorry, time go. 2009 was uh also a um same label i had yeah see exactly the black and white label yeah so they redid that and i i have actually have a bottle so over there i oh, see the the shirt i'm wearing there is from mahars did you ever get to go to that bar no, Mahars. Where's that? It's in Albany, or it was. It's not there anymore. I think we might like talk that, about this. Yeah, Mahars was like the craft beer bar, like in Albany. Like they had like a computer in the back. Like you type in your membership number, and they print out a, like a menu of like all the beers that you haven't had yet. Uh huh. And when you leave at the end of the night, you put your menu in the like a basket by the door. So then when you come back the next time, those beers you had aren't on the list. Like you're, you can like check off like four beers a day. I think it was the limit. Then like you get like rewards or prizes or whatever, like that, that t-shirt. And then after I see it's like six cask engines in the picture. Yeah. And gajillion nitro caps. Like that's, that's like the only place I've ever like seen cask beer. In fact, I mean, I, I assume like maybe some places in the city might have it. Very few and far between. I've never seen casts since I moved to Florida. No, doesn't exist. Yeah, not too many like English style breweries or anything around here. I mean, it's getting resurgence. Like there are some niche breweries that are throwing on beers on cask with Swan or the Sparkler and all that stuff, but mm -hmm. like super, super rare. Hang on, I wanted to bring up your. Why is it? There we go. 
All right, so here, whoops. Why? So I need like a producer, you know? Because <laughs> I have to like run yeah, the show. Yeah, and... producer, yeah. To soundboard and all that fun it's stuff. E yeah, it's easier if I share the entire screen. All right, here we go. So here's your, here's your YouTube channel. By the way, I love your banner on here. Like that's like it's like a story in like what six slides or whatever. Yeah, someone nice enough made that for me. So. Yeah, what? I think you need to update your uh, your profile picture here. I should. It's been a while. It's a I know. Photo. Like a flannel shirt. And then, I still uh, have the <laughs> oh, you still have that? Wow. Ah, that picture is only like six years or only maybe like six years old. So if we, if we sort by oldest, it starts with episode 57. What happened to episode one through 56? Oh, they, uh, they, I had them on private because literally like even those videos I have up there mm -hmm. are horrific quality. And like the ones before that are basically unwatchable. Like the video doesn't even sync with the audio. The audio is uh, horrific. There's no editing. So it's just like, it's just like, so I was like, whatever, I'll just put them in private. And then YouTube decided to delete them. So I was like, whatever. Because they're, uh, I mean, they're basically unwatchable. You can, even these videos are almost unwatchable. Like. That's funny. You're drinking half acre. That this is the beer that I'm drinking right now. And this is exactly your so I traded, for that Daisy Cutter. I traded for that Daisy Cutter uh going on 11 years ago. So there you go. Is this at your parents' house or your own? Oh, house? this is before that. Yeah, yeah. So this is a while ago. So this, this is not even the house they live in anymore. So but, uh, yeah, we're talking about over a decade. So when you got into beer. Like, did you get a job like at a brewery or at a bar or a restaurant? So I probably got into beer around 2012. And that's, geez, right before I started law school. And then, so I didn't actually work in the industry until about, oh, geez, that's probably right around when I was in law school. Hmm. And then I did the whole law school thing, passed the bar exam, got some more in. And then I got my first job in the industry around like 2015. That's like a huge, that. that's like a huge component of your life is a, a lot of people probably don't know that is that you are technically a lawyer license, you're licensed in New York, right? Yes. Are you licensed in Florida too? Or just? No, I'm not thinking. <laughs> I did not do that. Uh, so what, what made you want to go into law? I mean, my, my undergrad degree was in political science. So uh -huh. I can't really do anything with that when I go to law school. So. Where did you go for your undergrad? NYU. Okay. And then where did you go for law? Albany? No, I went to uh, CUNY in uh, uh, well, now okay. City. So well, yeah, well, yeah, most of it was Mulder City. That's, it's funny. I've actually met a lot of people who are like former lawyers, like in just from like being in the beer industry and stuff. Like, yeah. Um, Back when, when, I, when I lived in Albany, I had a uh, meetup.com group and there was a, a woman in the group who she was a lawyer and she left it and then she started her own uh, bed and breakfast like in. She's like, oh, this is so much better, you know? <laughs> so even if you're even actually... That, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, even if it's not um, people in the industry, it's like even um, aficionados or geeks or, or you know enthusiasts a lot of them are actually attorneys. I don't. I don't know why specifically, but um, even like a great example would be like Alex Kidd of the Junk Trick Beer. Uh, yeah, 
Uh, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is literally, yeah, this is bread and butter. A uh, bunch of people. But yeah, both pe- owners of breweries and also just like enthusiasts. Like, I don't know what the connection is, but that's only part of it. I mean, so there's a lot of other occupations that are. Maybe because it's like there's so much legality when it comes to alcohol and all that, you know. And having, <laughs> I don't like, think there's anything to do with that, honestly, because I don't think like, anybody into craft beer has any has any uh, opinion about like alcohol laws yeah. or any knowledge about alcohol laws, honestly, because you don't have to do that until you actually own a brewery, and and even then, if you're on that side of it, because you could just be yeah. front of house or back of house brewing. Like, you know, did you, you did you actually work? As a lawyer or like a clerk or whatever? No. Uh, I guess sworn in and my first job out of that was uh, uh, craft beer retail. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, like I worked in IT when I first started like this channel and like getting into craft beer and everything. And, you know, then I moved to Florida in 2015. And... um I don't know. I, I, it's funny because you and I have a similar story. We both came from New York to Florida. In fact, at one point, you actually live like, what, four or five miles from me. And I yeah. remember that was like the summer of 2019, I think before COVID. I, Me and uh, Katie would hang out. And it's funny because your wife's name is Katie, too. And my girlfriend at the time, her name was Katie. And mm-hmm. the four of us, we'd hang out at your apartment. I think yeah. it was like usually like every Wednesday night. We did a couple of collab reviews together. And then... Uh, yeah you bought that house where you live now and it was like such a pain getting to where you live. Although they finally, after like what, three or four years, they finally finished this highway. So hopefully it'd be a lot easier for like one of us to go visit the other. Cause it like where I live is, you know, just a hop, skip and a jump from the exit, you know, I'm not sure how far you are. No, I'm like two miles off the edge, you know, maybe two and a half miles off the exit. So. Okay. Yeah. So then how did you end up in Florida? Uh, well, Katie lived here. So then I guess I moved down. Oh yeah. That, that's your, uh, your wife. You met her on the online. Mm-hmm. How long have you guys been together? <laughs> seven. seven, seven years, six or seven. Something like that. Yeah. Now you have, I can't even keep track two or three kids now. <laughs> two i guess yeah three yeah i saw one of them or in uh one of your videos i think it was like around new year's eve or something oh yeah the girls yeah the girls were home while i was, I was home by myself with them. they were During scared the of the fireworks or something yeah <laughs> they're <were> fine <laughs> like my cat mm-hmm. so anyway um getting back to youtube so like what was like your inspiration to start a beer tube channel were you watching me and jay and beer geek nation and who else <laughs> um i think those are the big three it's got to be um, do you watch san diego beer blog ryan rashan yes 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 him too uh better beer authority okay uh, yeah has a little like big table and then yeah and then they, the, the eerie beer authority as well mm-hmm. uh, the british guy what's his face uh real l guide yeah real l guide yeah oh oh mm-hmm. frank yeah frank yeah you said frank. Yeah. 
Uh, there's so many uh, beer tubers in England and the UK in general. Oh, like, I just know real all that. <laughs> yeah, he's actually in Wales. Hey, buddy. Uh, but um, but yeah, I was watching those guys, and mm. that's sort of like how I built my palate knowledge. Just like be, going a beer advocate, going on YouTube, comparing, contrasting beers while I'm having it. On there, and I, and I think that's one of the better ways, at, at least for me. That's personally my, my like the easiest way for, that was the easiest way for me to learn. But I think I also recommend that as one of the easiest ways to like dive into it because it's both, ta- uh, was it tactile like that you're, you're actually having the beer that they're having, and then you're talking, you know, you find somebody that ideally you find has a higher base of knowledge than you, and then you're, you're able to learn off of that. Contrast. Yeah. Same goes for beer advocate too. So it's not only just the beer reviews, uh, beer YouTube reviews, but also the, the, the written reviews. Like we don't do that anymore because of Untapped. But before Untapped, people would literally write paragraphs on paragraphs. Like they would literally probably spend at least like one, two, three hundred words on a single beer, and yeah. be able to read through that um, was like very nuanced descriptors and learn the vocabulary and then compare your descriptors there and those descriptors. You very quickly can. Build a palette and 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 um, build a palette, but also vocabulary and uh, vernacular for what, how to communicate mm-hmm. flavors in beer, right? So, yeah, um, oh, Leo, it's not the Leo show. <laughs> it seems like you always had your finger on the pulse of like what's like the like hot brewery or hot style of the moment. Like, were you on board with the hazy? Um, like before, like they blew up. Cause I'm, like my, I mean, I don't remember even how it happened. I remember just like, like Hetty Topper just like blew up out of nowhere around 2012. Even though I think they've been making it for a few years before that, and then, like we just started like so many breweries in New England were making these like hazy, you know, IPAs, and we were calling them New England IPAs. They were all like you know super tropical and like. Um, had like that kind of grassy peppery aftertaste, you know, and then something, I don't know what happened or when it kind of switched overnight where like IPAs went from like super bitter, like ruination and like dogfish 90 minute to like hardly bitter at all. Do you remember like when that happened and why? <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's a lot to the back. Uh, well, first off, I mean, like having my finger on the pulse part of it is just like uh, I got into beer at a very lucky time when exactly what you say, like right when I got into craft beer, like Teddy Topper was number two, and then very, like very soon after that, I took over um, Pliny the Elder was number one. And um, well, also the other thing is that I was into the beer advocate thing. So, like, right when I got into it, I also started trading for beers and then found a tasting group and then we were um all trading for beers and doing bottle shares every month or two and you know when you get to the bottle share thing we're talking about like all the hype breweries trying to literally try every single beer that was on the top hundred of beer market which again i think that doesn't exist anymore it's now you have the top beers of you know unpacked but before we used to use a thing called beer advocate and there's a top hundred beers and you try to find all the hype uh breweries um uh, it'd be from New England, but also California, Belgian stuff, whatever, whatever was hype, we would try to trade for it. 
and we use like you know, monitors all the time. But talk about the transitioning of um, IPAs. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I think you're gonna have you're gonna be hard pressed to find somebody who like knows it more. Um, we're talking about like myself who. Like my first trip to Hope Homes is like in 2013, 2014. Like they were mm -hmm. barely famous. Um, you know, like I literally bought bottles from, you know, Mr. Sean Lawson himself. Um, um, you know, we're talking about any top room when they didn't even have a tap, like a, a pub, a tap room or a pub. Um, the original treehouse location, even before they built a 30 barrel brew house, when all you can get is like five barrel fields. Uh, Trillium, mm -hmm. before like when, when like before they were even hyped, like I was just like, hey, I'm gonna be in Boston. Like, what's a brewery that I can go to? And, like, Trillium was literally like six to nine months young and not even known for high pacey beer. Uh, hell, I was drinking. I, I, I was enjoying other half before they were a hazy brewery. People don't know that, but other half was not a hazy brewery originally. They're the two guys are actually Pacific, uh, Pacific Northwest guys. Their first IPAs were dank, resinous, garlicky, super, super garlicky. Uh, so, but yeah, it very quickly transitioned to like, it was, I, I remember the day where all of a sudden the other half beer just became hazy. And I was like, oh, okay, this is weird. Like, you know, like there's a day, like there was a can release and all of a sudden, like, you know, there's, there's a, their first can release and it was their original, uh, it's called Green Diamonds, one of their original IPAs that are pale ale there too, not hazy beers. And then very quickly, the lines got longer and longer and longer. And then the beers became hazy. And then, you know, Treehouse exploded, Hill Farms exploded. Uh, they all exploded. But it was all in that, like, little range of, like, 2012 to 2015. Like, early, early yeah. on. When it, when it, I just picked up this can of uh, Freaky Friday. It's a collab between Toppling Goliath and Other Half. Toppling Goliath is another one of those breweries that just kind of blew up out of nowhere, which was funny because a lot of their beers... Well, actually, I think they only had a couple beers at first. They were contract brewed at Brew Hub in Lakeland. I remember getting like pseudo Sue when it first came out, which um, they called it a pale ale, but I mean, I think it's more of an IPA. But um, I guess they brew their own or they can their own beer now in Idaho or Iowa. I know it's one of those I states. <laughs> I so, yes. So, the, again, <laughs> this goes further back than that. Uh, they're originally a small brewery out of uh, middle of nowhere, I Iowa. Um, the contracting happened when you know they're trying to expand production, but uh, early on, they were, in my opinion, one of the best hazy IPA breweries. And then the, the problem is our, our our language of what New England IPA and hazy IPA is is so different because what what I'm talking about about those years, like 2012 to like 2015-2016, they were hazy beers, but they were like not opaque, like. Like I, I mean, I can point to like yeah. all these reviews. I have like the original King Sue and uh, Sosis and all these other beers. They were like medium gold color with like a medium to medium plus haze to them. They were not opaque. They were not milky looking. Um, and actually, they're just different beers now. Like like the King Sue you have now is not the beer that I had like ten years ago. I just um, pulled up your uh, your channel. Hang on a sec. So just did a search for King Sue on your website or look on your that, Look at that picture. Look at that thumbnail right there. Which one? The second one? No, no, no. The the the, 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 the OG King Sue that I reviewed, like thousand subs. 
Like, look at that color. Look at the color of the beard. Does that look like a new one IPA to you? I know. It's <laughs> the like one right below that. Does that look like a new one IPA to you? <laughs> I know. That's like so, that so, was the same color as the one I just drank. You know. Yeah, which is like a classic American pale ale. That your recipe, Moses? Daisy Cutter, is probably fifteen years old. You know, so <laughs> it's funny to like. You ever look at your old reviews and just like look at yourself, like at your clothes and your hair and stuff, you know? Because like my style is definitely. That. Yeah, I do that all the time. I exactly know that. I have like yeah. age, I have no hair. Weight, clothes, yeah. <laughs> all <of> that. <laughs> oh wow, King Sue is in a twenty-two. As another thing, have you noticed like you never see twenty-two ounce bottles anymore? Everything's just in cans now. Oh, Chad, you know this for a fact. That happened like. eight years ago <laughs> it's not new news <laughs> like i mean like no bad like you've known this for a while like there's no more bombers like the, well the, the... i feel like <laughs> like well except unless like, you're getting like uh a 35 dollar bottle logic they still do the 20 the the bombers you know those are 500 mils no like they're those are those are 22 ounce the bottle logic, the bottle logics. Yeah, I was just at uh, Total Wine today, and I know like Upsala carries those too. I don't know where Bottle Logic came out of. Like I had never even heard of them, and then all of a sudden, like all the trendy beer stores are carrying them, and like like everything they make is like some barrel bourbon barrel aged pastry sat or something, and they're all like thirty yes. thirty five dollars. They're probably no, like this is spot five hundred milliliter bottles. I mean, uh, you can Google it right now. You can see them on total line. They're all 500 mil bottles. That's not, it's not that big of a bottle. They're all 500 mil. It's just way shorter than a, a bottle. So we're talking about uh, 69 instead of a uh, 22. But yeah, all the beers are 20, uh, 500 mils. Yeah. And then it's like so many breweries now, like their websites don't actually show like their beers on. They just like show. Just Google like bottle a... logic and go to shopping and you see all the 500 mil bottles. That's the only format they have. Other than can Order beers. beer to go. Anyway, um, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but like buying bombers sucked. Like the price point was always horrific. Like it's like a bomber's like what basically, basically two cans, two, two uh, 16 uh, yeah. ounce cans almost. But you're paying anywhere from like 12, 15, 18, right? Like, right? Like maybe the price you were. Maybe in yeah. the city you were when I lived in Albany, like a, a, an expensive bomber was like ten bucks. You know, Actually, sure. But, but, then, a... but then think about that. If 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 a mom if a bomber is ten dollars, let's say like an expensive Southern tier, uh, like the Blackwater series. I used to get these in those bombers. They're like yeah, me too. Seven to ten dollars, yeah. maybe. Sure, seven to ten dollars. But guess what? So if you do the math, that makes it a four, three, four, five dollar can. Yeah. So why would you buy that compared to a six pack or a single? It just like the price point never matched, and then it's one thing if it's specialty beer like a barrel aged something, but they were throwing in like lagers and IPA, like just the most whatever styles, and then like your 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 price point was like double triple what you do for like you know price per ounce on a six pack, so it just like never made sense for the consumer, and then I think also like part of the enjoyment of craft beer got so quickly evolved to. Let me try as many beers as I can. And who the hell wants to drink 22 ounces of anything by themselves, right? So, um, I mean, I, it only shot down to 16 ounces now these days because 
the 12 to 16 ounces just as ubiquitous. But, you know, he got rid of the bomber. I mean, the price point wasn't right. Uh, the consumer didn't like it. So, I mean, pretty pretty easy fix, I guess. And also production-wise, I imagine, like, it's cheaper to do runs on bo uh, cans and bo uh, smaller bottles. Or cans, actually. I think cans have just taken over very much so compared to bombers. What's your opinion of like the shifting away from glass into uh, cans? My opinion? Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, I think it's like, actually I'm curious environmentally how it works, but actually I think environmentally, I think part of it's actually a plus. Because if you think about the ability of uh, cans are way more ergonomic in weight stackability, like like a twelve pack case of beer in bottles is so unwieldy compared to a, like a, a flat. I mean, mm -hmm. if you guys have ever worked in craft retail, like it's night and day. You can you can easily carry like three cases of cans of beer versus like <sighs> one bottle case of beer. And think about that <laughs> multiplied by your track, like your. your um, your shipment and what can fit in a truck and a pallet, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, it's kind of encouraging to see the Europeans have starting to embrace cans slowly. Yeah, another trend that was big for the last few years is like the the rise of the kettle sours, especially the fruity sours. The uh, some of them are like smoothie sours. I don't know if you ever had any. Actually, I, I, you got to come over so I can give you one of these. I reviewed a bunch of them. From uh, Urban Artifact. This oh, one, uh, you got to try this one. It's uh, it's 15% ABV. <laughs> it's uh, all it's made with, with peaches. Peaches, yeah. And it's I, 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 little... I, I thought part of that series was. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I'm friends with like one of the head brewers there. He was in my uh, homebrew club in Albany, Brett really? Baker. Is that, yeah. the, is that the main guy? Because I, I, I listen to Craft Beer Brewing um, Magazine podcast, and whoever the, whoever the head brewer is, is very, one of the smartest people I've listened to on the podcast. He's been on my uh, Tuesday Night Beer School show a few times. We did all the Guinness beers last year, and we did like Goose and Fruit Lambic. Brett Baker, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Brett Coleman Baker. Yeah, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever listened to on the podcast. Mm. He knows a lot <laughs> uh, for, for a brewery that makes quote unquote simple kettle sours. Um, you listen to that podcast and you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's so much more than just like simple sour brewing. Like uh, he, he definitely knows this stuff. That's crazy. Wow. There you go. Well, I'll have to make sure he listens to this show or watches it. In fact, I could probably oh, get the three of us. We could do a, a style class together sometime. Yeah. I'd love to pick his brain sometime. I mean, like, um, that Atron food one, super interesting you know, to get a mm -hmm. to make a fifteen percent fruit sandwich. So. Did you see there? Looks like there's going to be a strike, like uh, from Budweiser. Actually, Molson Coors is uh, facing a strike as well. They have like till the end of the month. Uh, do you follow the like beer news industry at all? Like I I have a Google News alerts. 
so every morning I get an email with like whatever my search terms are. So I've been um, following the beer, the brewing industry news for the last, you know, few months or so. No, I mean, I listened to your podcast. I've probably been following it for like 10 years now. So, Which podcast do you listen to? Oh, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Craft Beer and Brewing, Steal the Spear, um, Mass Brewers Association, uh, Beer Temple, uh, Beer Sessions. Jeez, there's more. Good Beer Hunting. Good beer. I, like uh, I actually don't listen to good beer. Okay. Um, there's there's a lot of them. I've podcasts. been trying to like, like I subscribe to like a ton of them and just kind of like listen to just see what I should, you know, to see who's who's here or whatever. I like uh, John Hall from All About Beer. He has a sh- he has like two streams. They have like the All About Beer podcast and he has his own one, Drink Beer, Think Beer, where he interviews like pro brewers. Yes. That one's that one's pretty good. So I'm still trying to find like other good beer podcasts to listen to. The problem is like they they're kind of like a honestly they're like kind of like a low priority for me because like news and comedy podcasts usually take precedent. Yeah, I listen to about like ten um, beer podcasts. By the way, I'm drinking a uh, Buffalo Trace bourbon. I just got a bottle at uh, Pat's liquor store slash beer museum down the street from me you ever been there you know what i'm talking about i've been there multiple times yeah uh or actually their whole chain so anybody who's not in like the seminole county area or orlando area probably won't get this reference but like pat's is a chain of liquor slash beer stores around here and i like to call them beer museums i mean i think they make they obviously make most of their money off liquor not surprisingly, but like the store down the street from me, like within walking distance, they have this huge walk-in cooler. That's like the size of my living room. The problem is like all the beer on the shelf is like completely disorganized. And like, it's ancient. I was there yesterday or two days ago and they had a bottle of like some anchor, no, not, not anchor anchor Ridge out of Alaska. And it was, it said bottled in 2011 <laughs> and they have a, uh, uh saison rue from the brewery it says 2016 in huge huge numbers right on the label and they have a uh, founder cbs in the big 750 mil bottle from 2017 which has been sitting there for what seven years now still at the same price actually 25 bucks for that beer isn't too bad you know 25 bucks back in 2017 was quite a lot and like because of inflation 25 bucks for you know, what is that? 10% ABV, 750 mil. It's actually a pretty good deal. And like they're, they have a store out by UCF, which is even worse. I show this on my uh, community post and on my Instagram last summer. Like there's like literally spider webs. Like you've heard, you've heard the term shelf turd. Like this store goes beyond that. Like it's like, they should call it spider turd. Cause like there's cobwebs on the beer bottles. Cause nobody has touched them in years. I don't get it. I mean, like, I mean, I know you don't work like in retail per se, like as far as like bottle shop, but like you have like any idea, like why would a, why would a beer bottle shop or just like a liquor store, why would they just like sit on old inventory like that and like literally let it collect cobwebs? 
I have no idea. What would you like them to do with it? Throw it out? Sorry, your mic cut out there. I was like, what would you like them to do with it? Just throw the money away and just uh, throw it out? <laughs> they could mark it down, have like a clearance, you know, clear up that shelf space. Because I remember when I lived in Albany, the uh, brew crew, which is like the kind of like the pats of that area, they had like two or three stores there. If they had old beer, they would mark it down to like, you know, a dollar or two and just to get rid of it you know they didn't want old inventory sitting on the shelves well that makes it seem like somebody actually has a brain and thinks but <laughs> i mean that you obviously can explain they make their money from liquor back or beer like they just have a corner of their store that just is devoted to beer product they bought and not like to take a loss on it so it's gonna sit there they make i assume they're making a profit on other stuff what do they, what do they care so yeah I've actually emailed them, be like, hire me as a 1099 independent contractor. And I'll like, you know, like, like there's no prices on anything either. So it's like, that's like one of my biggest pet peeves of like beer stores. And even like Uppsala is guilty of this. Like it's a little, again, for people who don't know, it's this, it's almost like a gas station without the gas, you know, <laughs> it's like a convenience store. Oddly enough, like in kind of a residential neighborhood. You know, and all the guys that own it are like Indian or Pakistani or something like that. And, uh, you know, like they have like a little bit of groceries and they make like, you know, fried chicken and stuff like right there in the store. But like a lot of they have like a huge craft beer selection. They get like like the most like hip, like up to, you know, whatever is like the it brewery of the moment, especially like other half and bottle logic, obviously, like all the Bourbon County variants, um, things like that epic you know tons of like crazy weird sours and stuff that you never heard of and like they don't have prices on anything so it's like such a pain because it's like you see these beers and you're just like oh i'd get this if the prices right and you you bring it to the counter and it ends up being like double or triple what you thought it was going to be where do you get most of your beer that you drink uh, at home GB's are total one. GB's in uh, Ivanhoe. Total one. Total one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just at GB's uh, a couple days ago. Um, yeah, they have a kind of, kind of a small selection there. Like that's more of like a bar that sells cans to go. There's another bar like that in uh, Winter Springs. I think I think it's just called the Can and Bottle. You ever been there? Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, they're basically like the same. We, I, I wish we had a place like that, like within walking distance around here. Oh, we sort of did. Yeah, remember, uh, close to you. We could probably get there in like 15 minutes. Remember uh, Luisa's Cellar that was in downtown Sanford? Yeah. Yeah, they left a couple of years ago. That that was a nice uh like it's like a wine bar first, and but they also had like a pretty decent beer selection there. Yeah, it was a so, totally cooler, but you know, the husband would like find some random shit. Oh, you got to get a little closer to the mic when you're sitting far back there. It's hard to hear. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, they had like one beer fridge though. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I wanted to get I wanted to ask you about like your 
you know, beer experience and all that stuff again. Um, how did you get into like, cause I saw, what was it about a year ago, six months ago, you became advanced Cicerone. Yeah. About like a year and a half ago. Okay. Like, I assume you started like with beer server, then regular Cicerone and then so on and so forth. Like what, what was like the inspiration to, uh, to get those certifications? Um, well, the first one was just part of like my retail job, which mm. again, it's not really a certification. It's like, a, it's like taking a learner's program. So, uh, and then level two was because I was like itching to get into or itching to get further into the industry. And, mm. uh, I just had the roughest of times. Um, I, I'd only worked at like a crappier retail place for like a year and a half. Um, didn't have the resume history. And I mean, I think also part of it is uh, like, you know, I, I hate to say it, but like it's uh, if you're not like a bearded white dude, it's just like, you, you, know, it's, <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't expect you to, you know, try to apply in the industry. So, you know, it just, I had a hard time and I was like, all right, well, what's going to help me? And ideally, uh, you know, a certification would and a cert certified is actually like part of the, or the reason that I got like almost all the jobs in my industry, in the industry. And I've been doing it for like 10 years now. So, or yeah. So, yeah. And then did I, those, uh, those, uh, go ahead. And then for advance, it was just, uh, you know, I mean, it's hard to like find more upward mobility from like based on like what I'm looking for. But I think it was also just more of a personal satisfaction of like knowing that, you know, I've, I've moved this far in the industry and, or at least, you know, with uh, Cicerone and, you know, able to have confidence in that despite the fact that. A lot of places did not give me a chance. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's like any benefit to getting Cicerone certified if you don't work in the beer industry? Like for me, like, I mean, I don't work in the beer industry. I'm just, you know, a blogger, vlogger, whatever you want to call it. I have my BJCP certification and I'm Cicerone beer server certified. But like, I know like the regular Cicerone, like that's mostly for like people who are like bartenders or like, distributors uh i i've never like i i looked into the test a few years ago and like because i think like it's like it's two parts right like there's like a written test like a, like a multiple choice test and then isn't there like a, a practical test where like you have to hook up taps or something like that how does that um so there's a theory portion which is a written test um mm -hmm. i would argue that it's definitely more comprehensive than bjcp um, but a little less focused on than BJCP because BJCP only has BJCP to uh, look after. And then it's a actually it's more it's it's actually a casing exam. Um, you will have to know about like uh, a draft faucet, but it's almost all understanding all flavors, styles, mm -hmm. and all flavors. So, um, That's how the BJCP then, test is too. Like it's it's two parts. Like it's a it's an online multiple choice test. It's, I mean, it's open book, but it's also like most of the, like they have, it's timed. So it's like, even though you could Google each question, 
like you only have it like the equivalent of about i think it's like about 20 seconds per question so like, like a lot of like if it's a if it's a question about a particular style like you can you can just grab the style guidelines and look it up real quick um but there are like a lot of like you know microbiology and chemistry questions on there like like about diacetyl and acid aldehyde and stuff like that you know um yeah you're right there's then, a little bit more comprehensive knowledge than just the styles here yeah and then you have to actually go take a tasting exam somewhere and like they'll they give you like i don't know i think it's like it's kind of like a like a regular homebrew judging kind of flight where they give you uh, it's probably like two or three different beers and they just tell you it's basically you're supposed to judge it to the style but like they don't give you the style guidelines you know and like they'll, they'll deliberately give you something that's not that particular style so that like you can critique it like they'll give you like a um like a wit beer and like tell you that it's a triple and like so you you have to like critique it like well you know this is a triple like it's it's not strong enough it's not estery enough or phenolic or enough or whatever um is that how the uh cicerone test is like so no you're gonna have to write an essay about a style so that's sort of the most relevant thing to that uh tasting portion but the tasting portion is not really essay driven it's uh matching driven it's like hey here's an all flavor which one is it or no no here's a bunch of beers which all flavors are they or hey here's some beers are they spiked or not and mm -hmm. hey here's a beer which style is it between these two 50 50. so that's sort of like basically the entire tasting exam yeah i think like if they actually spike a beer because I, I went to a class like that a long time ago where because i've seen like you can actually go on the cicerone website and like order the little chemical things and like like they're meant for like you know homebrew groups or whatever to to do like so like they'll like you get like a pitcher of of beer and like you spike it with like this like diacetyl kind of flavor or like it's like a cardboard kind of flavor it's like well, it's just like not for homebrewers it's for professionals like if you're working yeah. in the industry you should be able to know and taste these all flavors yeah so. and also uh, but it's also like i mean if you're a competent brewer like you shouldn't even get that kind of stuff in the first place no that's not how it works like i would art i i you would you 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 need to know all flavors in order to brew correctly because without brew, like how would you like it's like how would you know how to make pizza if you've never had pizza before like it's right yeah so you, you have to educate yourself on these things yeah you can't just make beer and say it's like all right well it's great and that's what most home brewers do but commercially you can't do that you can't just say my beer is good you actually have <laughs> to objectively have the knowledge and taste it you know, like it's not it's not up to you it's it's there's a world out there of knowledge and taste did you ever homebrew uh personally no but i have uh, homebrewed before this i'm surprised because like especially now you have a house you could like have the space and the equipment and all that stuff i guess it's just a matter of finding the time to do it um it's like when yeah, i live in albany on homebrewing is horrific that's in like the feedback it's just so bad and uh, it's also extremely time consuming so yeah um i live in albany like you know i used to homebrew a lot and like i get like mm -hmm. i mean most of my batches came out pretty good like i i noticed like they got way better when i switched from uh extract to all grain um and then when i moved to florida i don't know what it is about the air here but like my batches kept getting infected i kept getting like butric acid in them it's really gross i don't know if you ever had butric acid it kind of tastes like 
baby puke or something. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty gross. It's like, um, I mean, it's probably sanitation. That's, I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's just like you're set up and you know, it's hard. It's, 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 it has to be a sterile process and it takes forever to find out. So you put all this time in and you waited weeks and weeks and weeks just to find out that your batch is terrible. So, um, uh, I, yes, I did get, yeah, I got some, uh, free swing top bottles off somebody on Craigslist and, um, I was making a saison at the time and they had the bottles must have had bread in them or something. So like I was getting like this bready quality, which was great. I didn't, wasn't even expecting it. Are you a fan of Brett? Pretend uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's actually something that has to grow on some people depending. Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Brett beers. Pale. Yeah, me too. Uh, sorry. Like uh, even unsoured. Uh, non-mixed fermentation just straight pepper, bread, ale, uh, get bread beers. Uh, I know. I was I like at... beers that are like a hundred first. There's beers that are actually, I actually don't know if they, it's correct that they called them a hundred percent bread fermentations because from where I stand, that yeast is actually a ale yeast. Yeah. I don't know if you can actually completely ferment a beer with just bread, but anyway, I'm a fan of bread. I wanted to do a Tuesday night beer school on the, because for the BJCP, the category 29, or sorry, 28 is the American Wild Ale. And 28A is just Brett beer, which is not the same as a Wild Ale. So this is the only one that I could find locally, Captain Lawrence Red IPA. I haven't had this one yet. Oh, this is old. Look, it's almost a year old. Can yeah, March fifteenth last year, mm-hmm. and it's also. But I also have some nice really uh, expresses some characteristics on top of the hops, but it's not going to be great. Yeah, it's probably going to be oxidized, and the hops are going to drop out. Mixed fermentation sour. That's like a. Actually, I do have that one. I think you are raving about this. The uh, Le Petit Prince from Jester King. Yeah, that's a great beer. Oh, this one's old, too. This was canned on April 26th last year. Oh, yeah. Yikes. I think it's like, what, this is like 2.6, 2.9 ABV? Yep. Uh, I remember having that last summer, and it was great. To me, it's like lemonade. Yeah, it's really cool to have a beer at that ABV, you know, and then the expressive mixed culture that's in that beer is really fun. Yeah, you work for uh, Sanford Brewing. Do they do any like experimental type brews, or they do mostly you know pretty standard stuff like IPA, brown ale, stuff like that? All standard stuff. Nothing really experimental. Mm-hmm. At least not now. So. Have you ever had like Have you ever pitched them a recipe idea? No. <laughs> <laughs> You said I, I I should give you my recipe for Chad's chocolate cherry chili porter. It's um I'm trying to think of like what you compare it to, but I mean it's like so it's take like a porter, add some cherry puree, and then right before you bottle it, you throw like a super hot pepper in there. So you get like the chocolate and cherry and the vanilla, 
and then it kind of finishes with like this heat or like warmth from the pepper. I used to grow my own ghost chili peppers in my backyard in Albany. And I remember like I made this this beer and like I just cut open like one one pepper like the size of like a walnut. And like that was enough for like, you know, a five, seven gallon batch to just really heat it up. Yeah, I mean the the, the brew is really more of a brew pub, so it's not really like a mm-hmm. like a tap room style. So that beer is probably more of a flight beer. Um, wouldn't be able to sell that in pines probably. So sort of like a lot of breweries. A lot of um um maybe more it's like more like commercial breweries or whatever where they have like a pilot system. But like because a lot of pro brewers that I met over the years, they all said like, you know, the brewery would like allow you to use the pilot system to just make any whatever crazy wild idea beer that you have um to just like you know experiment around i guess i guess your company probably isn't big enough for that or there's a smaller i mean i think the mash tub's like because a 15 barrel mash tub but i think they actually do have like a smaller five barrel three barrel setup uh, so I think that's actually a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, still a lot of oh, beer yeah. producing anywhere from like four, five, six eggs. So make tank eggs. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about your channel. So um, I was, how do I show this again? There we go. I noticed on a lot of your videos, like it looks like you're wearing the same shirt for like three or four episodes in a row. Are you shooting three or four episodes in a row? Yeah, I'm pretty much shooting like three or four on my nights off. Mm-hmm. And then using that for the week. So. Do you drink the entire beer or you just drink enough for the review? Depends on the beer. At least the quality of the beer. Have you found that like as you drank more and more beer, like your tolerance goes up? Like, because like I, I've known, or because. I used to be like almost 220 pounds and I could definitely drink more than I can now. Cause I'm about like, I'm less than 170 now. And if I just have like more, if I have two beers or more in one night, like I'll just be like hung over for the next day, you know, even no matter how much water I drink. So I don't think I'm like, my t- tolerance has built up. I think it's cause well, maybe if I didn't lose 50 pounds, but you know, you're not overweight. So I'm, I'm definitely also, like, I, I definitely wouldn't say I'm like, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm fat, but like objectively, I think I'm definitely over. No, you're, you're, you're average, you know, weight for your height. <laughs> average American overweightness. So yeah. you just average out. So I guess, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> That's something that Medically, I've asked I like. Overweight, but American wise, I'm just average. Yeah. Are you still able to uh, get an exercise? I mean, hell, I'm on my feet five days a week, so that's my exercise. Mm-hmm. Do you have a <laughs> Fitbit or, or a smartwatch that tells you how many steps you take? I used to. Um, on a good night, I'll do six. And then, a good night, I'll do at least six. So. And that's just from walking around? Yeah. No sitting down. Six hours, mm-hmm. eight hours, 12 hours, boom, on your feet. <laughs> so what what is your favorite part about your job? Uh, geez, what's my favorite part about it? 
don't know. I mean, I generally just uh, am comfortable working in the service industry. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think. I think. I think. I think a lot of. People, I think it really necessitates somebody having a hospitality gene. Well, at least I've heard it called the hospitality gene. So mm -hmm. any any day you don't feel like you're working is a day. What's the quote again? You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, you know, if you if you if you like you're not waking up to go to work, then you're in good shape. So. Oh yeah, if you if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's a. It, it's most a, of your customers locals or tourists. Oh. Uh, Almost all. I mean, a majority of my guests are regulars, mm -hmm. and then the rest are local. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if yeah. I mean, I don't think the the audience knows, but Maitland is a town. Fifteen twenty minutes north of, north of Orlando. There's no tourism guests. There are tourism. Yeah. There, so maybe just like people doing Airbnbs or something in that area. I mean, there are people traveling through town and I'll stop by, but that's few. Yeah. We're pretty far from the theme parks there. Oh, so there you go. It's it's north yeah. of Orlando. Yeah. Disney is like 30 minutes south, uh, south of proper Orlando. So yeah, that's almost like an hour about... with, with the traffic. <laughs> so there you go. So now you're talking about an hour and a half away from Disney. And I don't think there's any tourists yeah. coming to my restaurant. So, yeah. Do you have fun, like, like do you you're you're feel like a teacher like when you're you know like when somebody asks like you know oh saison like what is that like you know or i mean you must get this like every day of just like oh i drink yingling or i drink bud light what would you recommend do you like do you still get like excited to be like oh well you got to try like our saison or you got to try our our light lager or whatever or cream ale i'm not i'm not sure i don't have your recipe in, or your menu in front of me but like do you get because if i was a bartender or a server or whatever like i would probably get excited i think like at least at first you know to like to teach people or just like to kind of get them to taste like new styles or is it kind of like after you've been doing it for a while now are you kind of like burnt out just like uh another bud drinker all right here here have the cream ale <laughs> oh that's a really good question um so particularly talking about like my current job it's really more of a brew pub slash restaurant mm -hmm. so uh, i think the people that know me uh especially some of the people that i've worked with and worked with like i'm, I'm just like way too beer uh over qualified knowledge wise for like my position and what i do uh it's sort of like there's a time and place for everything so like it's just like my 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 my, my uh, qualification and education is not really necessitated or useful because like i mean i'm just not like you're you're not going to use it and there's no way to push that off the customers right uh so that's sort of like most of or almost all of how i handle those situations i mean obviously like you know steer people towards the beers they want and uh and, and there's like you know situations here and there where i can actually like utilize my knowledge and help people out and, I have a blast out of that, not uh, educating people, but it's not really that useful. Um, it does come in useful for the YouTube channel, obviously, because that's just like you know where I express most of my knowledge. But then I definitely have had jobs where uh, 
that actually comes into play is actually quite useful when people are there to, you know, get, geek out, you know, because, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, so again, it, it's, it's about your audience. <laughs> You're not going to, you know, I'm just not going to do that um, for most of my ships, but uh, people ask me questions or something like that, or, um, and then it depends on your gig. Like uh, I used to work for, a, um, it's called City Brew Tours. It's a, a brewery tour company. And like that's a perfect situation where you're doing that kind of like educational thing. Like the, literally, your job is to geek out and educate people about beer and give yeah. them brewery tours. So, uh, was that here or in New York? That's yeah, in New York City. So oh, okay. You must have some crazy stories from, you know, working at the bar and the brewery over the years, like, like drunk people and and stuff like that. Oh my like, god! Oh yeah. Oh yeah, if you've worked at a bar, if you anybody's worked at a bar for years, you, you have definitely stories and experiences. I know I've never worked like in a bar or anything, but I have dealt that with drunks because I, you know, a few years ago I was like a full time Uber driver, and actually when I first started, like I was only doing like Friday and Saturday nights. Like this is back like when I lived in Lakeland, I'd always end up in Tampa and end up like hauling drunk sorority girls around at like one or two in the morning. Like that was fun, you know. Um, so you must have some crazy stories like that and probably some scary stories as well. You ever had like any like scary, scary incidents or for me personally, just... general. Um, thankfully I don't personally have any scary stories for myself, like, you mm -hmm. know, uh, but, but yeah, we've had like fights get broken up and stuff before. So that's the thing. Um, bridesmaids, uh, or uh, just guys um, being guys, guys being yeah, guys. bachelor parties, bachelorette parties. Uh, those Birthday are pretty parties. Cool. Those are fine. People there are usually trying to have a good time, not trying to, you know, mm -hmm. right? it's 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 you know, someone trying to be macho or something. That's your shit. Bachelor parties, are probably okay. there are parties like that, You're generally okay. It's just people being sloppy, but they're there to have a good time. Um, I don't know. I actually haven't had to cut off too many people in my life. Honestly, Did you very, uh, allow dogs? We're a restaurant, so no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so to answer your question, very easy. Uh, though I will say, like, most of my most of my restaurants actually outdoor seating, so it does allow for dogs in that sense, but I mean, pretty much like if you have a restaurant, is your question. It's like, it's not like, do you allow for dogs? It's like, do you have, do you have a restaurant? If you have a restaurant, then no. But if you're just a tap room, you'd be dumb to say no dogs. Cause, uh, yeah, that's, that seems to be a point of contention the, the last few years. Like a lot of like breweries, like, yeah, like tap rooms where they don't have like, where like maybe they have like a food truck outside or something like that. Um, like a lot of people bring kids like during the day or like they bring their dogs. And uh, it, it's it's like a division point of like, yeah, you should be able to bring your kids, you know, or you should be able to bring your dogs. But it's like, you know, I'm here to like, I'm here to, it's my adult time, you know, I don't need these kids harsh in my buzz. <laughs> or, or like people who aren't fans of dogs, you know, leave your damn dogs at home. I, don't I, feel like people can, I think there's enough places to go that people figure out what they need to go to. So. 
I have. I don't know if you follow my um, community posts. I try to post something every day, but I don't always do it. But you know, I do a lot of like surveys, and uh, like a lot of them are like you know purposely funny or ridiculous or whatever. And I I did one um, a week or two ago. I said, "What would you rather drink?" Gluten-free beer, non-alcoholic beer, or the wine festival spittoon. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay with trying that. So. Yeah, so which, which of these three things would you rather drink? Can you see? There's some good NA beer out there, so I should just bought two, six packs of the uh, Just a Haze with some yeah, that's one of the craziest trends. How did non-alcoholic beer become like the next hazy IPA? I don't get it. Do you have any insight to that? Uh, just the generations before us. Yeah, it's actually pretty obvious. Like you go to breweries now. Like it's my generation, thirty-five, thirties. Those people aren't packing in the tap rooms and breweries anymore. And instead, they're drinking less. They're drinking more liquor, drinking more natural wine, drinking more RTDs, drinking hard seltzers, less beer. So beer consumption is just down, 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 down. People are drinking yeah. less out. In general, they find beer unhealthy. They find alcohol unhealthy. So yeah. there's a population think, of people under 30 out there. So Do you think <laughs> it's the rise of uh, legal weed? Like people are like, if I'm going to get high, I'll just take a gummy or smoke a joint. I think that's a small portion of it. But I, I, I still think people are going, still going, you know. I mean, maybe people are going out less, possible, but um, at least I've noticed it recently, maybe a little bit. But uh, but no, I don't think that is completely taking away from alcohol share. Uh, it's possibly part of it. It's got to be part of it, probably. It's, now it's no, no longer as inaccessible. With yeah and i mean a lot a lot of it must have to do with like the brewing technology has advanced enough that they can make non-alcoholic beer that actually tastes pretty good have you had any of these yes. newfangled just the haze beers or whatever <laughs> yeah i mean I just bought some I've, I, I reviewed it last year um i've had probably at least a dozen or so in haze, so is a non-alcoholic beer actually beer in your opinion? Because to me, it's basically beer-flavored soda. If it is 0. Uh, 0. 0.0 ABV. No, it's it's objectively beer. It's it's made from grain and barley. Mm -hmm. and, and there's hops and yeast involved and water. Like it's subjectively beer. It just doesn't have alcohol. How you make it is, you know, complicated. There are various ways to make it, but it is still a grain-based product, and I would call that beer. So. Yeah, because you're not drinking you. barley water, you know. Yeah, it's still. So. What What would your answer to this one be? Which beer style requires the most discerning taste, refined palate, ability to appreciate? Belgian quad, imperial stout, Belgian sour, or Lichtenhainer? For sure, Lichtenhainer, not close. Yeah. I've had a couple of those, and like you wouldn't think they'd be good, but they actually are pretty good. You wouldn't think smoke and sour would would work. Uh, yeah, I asked you about the uh, the strike 
Oh yeah, Anchor Brewing closed. Man, that came out of nowhere. Although the I've been reading the industry, you know, um, the news, and th like there are companies bidding up to buy that, like both the IP and the actual brewing facility. I have a feeling it's probably going to go to like Sam Adams or New Belgium or something like that. I mean, neither of us are in San Francisco, so maybe we can't really answer like, why do you think Anchor Brewing closed? I mean, they sold out to Sapporo a few years ago. And I just think like maybe that because they got owned by a Japanese company and just didn't understand the American audience or whatever. They wanted to like brew sours on their, you know, copper kettle equipment. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the you know the back end stuff with the buyout corporate and all that stuff, but we're talking about a dying brand that is trying to distribute to fifty states. I mean, a niche style of anchor or steam beer or California time, whatever you want to call it. Um, legacy brand reached too far, reached too you know got too big and stayed too big. Um, didn't respond to probably COVID and also the evolving contraction of craft beer uh yeah so i think that's a very easy answer and very hard situation for a lot of breweries and uh beers out there just like it's not the same like it's not gangbusters like 2015 um and then COVID didn't help either and then also the new generation getting within drinking age and our generation getting older and older drinking less and less um all of it doesn't help. So it's just shrinking everywhere. You're, you're getting squeezed from every single corner you can think of. So. Yeah. I think like the craft beer bubble is definitely starting to burst because it's kind of like, you know, it's like I, I thought like craft beer was going to be, I mean, it still is pretty used. It's like I said, it's like pretty mainstream now. Like you don't even have to really use the term craft beer anymore. Like I, I don't really think there is like craft beer because like so many of the, original the ogs in the sector have sold out like stone sold to sapporo you know anchor brewing um even uh what's that can montreal um uh unibrew they're owned by sapporo like a lot of companies are either owned by like sapporo or sahi or inbev you know i actually saw inbev is closing a couple of their craft breweries um i think they, they sold them off to tilray huh they sold them off to tilray Oh, is that it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and in, like 2023 was like, they said it was like the worst year for beer in like a quarter century or something like that, which it seems so surprising because it's like you everywhere you go is like craft beer, beer bars, microbreweries, whatever, like everywhere. And it's just like, how do we, how do we lose it? You know, <laughs> it seems like hardly anybody's drinking Bud Miller and Coors. Well, I mean, well, they'll always have their audience, obviously, but I don't know. I think it's just the, in my, in my own personal opinion is kind of like craft beer sector kind of contracted to just basically like three styles, pastry stouts, kettle sours, and, um, you know, hazy IPAs. Like where's the brown ales? Where's the various shades of different colored IPAs? Remember like red IPA, white IPA, black IPA, um, brown ipa you know like those are these are like all obsolete styles now like i don't know you just think we're like we're the this this part of the the industry is just like settling into the you know three or four styles that actually sell yeah i mean that's a complicated question 
Um, I mean, you're definitely going to see an evolution of craft beer because uh, one, of, one of the most interesting things about craft beer separating itself from the other alcohol categories is that <clears throat> it's so much based on differentiating itself from macro brands and then so much based on the idea of um, different styles and evolution of styles and the concept of like trying different things and you know like just the idea that like you can you can create a new style and do cool new things and that can hugely influence the um landscape of craft beer like literally hazy ipas are just like earth shaking uh, yeah compared to like bourbon's bourbon like <laughs> what are you gonna do about bourbon let's age it more like yeah like right like what are you do with wine like like the grapes are grapes like you're gonna find a new breed of grape that everybody's gonna go like bang busters over like the grapes are the grapes like they're in a vineyard and we produce this you know these these wines and if you want to transition to a different grape okay cool well that grapes existed for how many hundreds of years or been popular for how many decades right like um so i think it's just part of the natural thing about craft beer like things are gonna die and new styles are gonna live um is there more or less diversity than before easily more diversity not close at least style wise um i mean is it can some of that diversity be dominated by a few uh, you know certain like, or not dominated but like also taken like a large portion of it taken by a few certain styles yeah i mean that's just what people want it is what it is but i think it's going to grow and evolve and i think that's the exciting thing about craft beer like it's it's always changing you know cold ipa was yeah. boom, like until a year ago um, az ipa is still evolving and people yeah. still do weird stuff with sour beer uh people are bringing back old styles check dark lager was wasn't a thing at all um you know a year ago now you can actually find it on the shelf like your small craft breweries like oh yeah we, we'd like to try to make a check dark lager i don't know why but like you know but yeah i wonder how much of that is actually like a just being trendy though like if that's going to be like the next like black ipa or brute ipa you know like in a year or two from now everybody's gonna be like oh remember when we used to make those check dark lagers what are we thinking <laughs> i think that's the thing about craft beer like yeah uh, there's gonna be styles that are trendy and there's gonna be styles that stay in the but i think who uh, do you think sets the trends <laughs> that's a great question uh alex kid <laughs> no no he's he's speaking to a very small audience hmm. um who sets the trends Hayes boys <laughs> i'd like to say it's the consumer you know in the end the consumer buys with what they want so yeah uh, it's also kind of a chicken and the egg kind of thing of just like exactly. do people only buy pastry stouts fruited sours and hazy ipas because that's all they know or yeah. are the breweries concentrating on those because that's what sells the best you know yeah I think it's a combination. I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's the case for everything. Like, why do they make chunky tomato sauce and smooth tomato sauce? Like, is it is it the chicken and the egg? But I think part of it is the idea that, um, mm. I think Malcolm Gladwell did a whole talk about this, but I think part of it is just that uh, customers like, or uh, people like diversity uh, in not only food products, but also beer. And beer's ability to replicate that is, sort of talking to the customer because people like yeah. that diversity you know you're gonna find you might not sell like a gajillion cans of czech dark lager or czech style pilsner or 
I don't know what's a niche thing people are doing now. I don't know. Somebody's making a Vienna lager out there. Who knows? But you get the 5%, 10% market that wants that. You're going to sell some. You don't need to sell a lot, depending on how your brewery works and your capacity and your size and your, your necessity to flip beers and all that. But if people want it and you get certain customers that want it and you sell through it, then you move on to the next one, right? What's a style you like that people would probably find surprising? Surprising to enjoy? Well, they, they, would, they would be surprised that you like. A surprise that I would like. Mm. Uh, well, what? Who, wait, who am I talking to? Like, just the beer, like the people. Like, I guess your viewers oh. or whoever. I mean, they 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 pretty much know what I like. So I don't know. You know, any like know. guilty pleasures, like, because like I I'll get a four pack of PBR every once in a while, especially if I'm making brats. Oh, dinner, guilty you know? pleasure! Like, I mean. When we talk about like getting old, but uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that like, I, it's the this is my kind of daily drinker kind of stuff, like these fizzies and these. Oh, hard seltzer. Yeah, yeah, like. Um, yeah. Truly is, like, a, is a that's a Sam Adams product. Mm -hmm. Do you see they, they're like coming that. out with a uh, hot hot wings flavored hard seltzer? That sounds fun. Yeah, I saw that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, this is just like easier to digest i mean i think it's like depending on how much malt like grain based product you can drink like it's it, it's like i i've experienced it during covid like oh yeah let's just like you know we're hanging out staying at home like let's see how much beer we can drink and it's just like oof you do not feel good after drinking a lot of beer. <laughs> um, it just feels a little less uh dense drinking cutting it up with beer reviews and then having some seltzers too so i guess that's probably that's easily the biggest surprise i think right your beer review channels people would see that i think you know outside of the beer reviews most of my you know drinks are non-beer so that's probably a huge surprise i guess probably think i'm like smashing you know six 12 packs of whatever beer but i don't buy six 12 packs of any beer i buy singles so that's why i go to total wine gb only so yeah which total wine do you go to ultima oh that's the one i go to but i find like their selection is kind of small just there yeah, this I, afternoon. I, I don't I don't walk out of there with a lot of beer usually. <laughs> Let me tell you yeah. that. But whatever is new and cool, like I wonder colonial is a little bigger in the uh, mall millennia. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually I go to the Daytona Beach a lot when I end up out there for Amazon round. So that one's probably it has about the same selection as uh Yeah, generally for me I find that like the stores get the same new stuff and all I care about is the new stuff for the beer review channel. So it yeah. doesn't really matter what happens. Like, Whatever's new, I'll pick it up and grab it for the YouTube channel. That's about it. Yeah. Seems like that's like a good place to wrap it up. Sorry. I, I was hoping we could have done a Tuesday night beer school, but we just couldn't make it happen. Um, which is funny because I was suggesting like we could have done American lager style, like Budweiser versus PBR. And uh, I was, I don't know if you saw my last episode with the crummy beard. And I was saying, you know, like, when you become like a, you know, BJCP or Cicerone or whatever, and like you have to actually like, especially if you're homebrew and like you realize like what goes into like making like any beer style, really, you, you start to appreciate just like the nuances. Like for me, like I love like a super fresh like Kolsch or, you know, like some kind of like niche pale lager, you know, like where it, you can actually taste like those grains you know, you don't need like 10% alcohol and you don't need chocolate and hazelnut, things like that. 
or uh, sour and things like that. You know, I'll, you know, I, I love like a good 4.2 ABV Kolsch if it's fresh, just like the, the nuances to that. And, um, you know, so like you come, like I was saying, you become like a born again beer snob where like you can actually appreciate the macro adjunct lagers. Like, like, I mean, a lot of people get turned off by like the taste of rice and corn in the beer and stuff, you know, but as long as it's not like ridiculously like acid aldehyde or diacetyl or DMS or something like that, you know, it's, they're actually pretty drinkable. Have you ever had like that kind of like, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. I call it, like, I call it like a born again moment where like you're drinking like a macro lager and you're just like, Oh yeah, I get it. Like, okay, I get it. This is like, you, you appreciate the, Maybe not so much like the recipe, but like just like the craftsmanship and like the quality, the control that goes into that. Because it's funny, like macro lager is probably like one of the most difficult beers to brew consistently. Oh, uh, wow. This is a long talk right there. Um, so. <laughs> so uh, first off, I'm not I'm, I'm going to say I'm not a craft. Uh, uh, snob. Like, if I go to a dive bar, like, I'm going to drink a macro lager. Like, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And I have no problem doing that. And that's when you want it ice cold and not think about it. <sighs> the crazy thing is that um, it's sort of like the experience of, like, the more you know... Well, it goes two ways. Uh, I think part of it's, like, the more you know, the less you know, right? You realize, like, oh my god, like, I really don't know anything. And that's part of the... Uh, whatever like a uh, blah 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 dunning effect like the people oh dunning kruger like, yeah yeah dunning kruger effect yeah um but yeah it's the like inverse of that like the more you realize like the more you learn you're like oh my god i know nothing that's sort of what i feel like you know like when you you know when people ask me it's like oh why don't you take the master and sister on exam i'm like like are you kidding me like do you know how much there is more to learn that i i don't know like i am like one of 160 advanced sisters in the world and i mm -hmm. don't know much like i feel like i do not know anything right um and that sort of goes into uh, uh, the enjoyment of beer. Uh, part of like macro lagers, like you have to don't think about it. Like when you get to a pal uh, point of like palate, where you know I can name off like 15, 20, 30 uh, flavor compounds and all flavors and stuff like that, you notice them. And you can't, <laughs> it's hard to enjoy macro lager the same way. But like you sort of have to shut your brain off and just say, oh, like, all right, I'm in the dive bar. Like, I'm in a certain situation. And like, it's cold. Like, I don't think about it. But when you really try to pick up part of these beers and have that, like, better temperature, they're gross. Like, they're not good beers. Like, and 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 it goes to what you were talking about, but like the proper Kosh that's fresh. Mm. Um, ideally, get it from Germany. Like, they're not, not like American versions. Like, I, I honestly don't trust uh, most American breweries called the beer Kosh or Kosh or whatever you want to call it. Um, you see the beauty of proper lager brewing when you try beers from Suarez, Hill Farmstead, uh, Beerstadt Lager House, uh, Cohesion, uh, hell, even just a Pilsner Quell. You know, you sit there and drink a Pilsner Quell, the beer is 4.4%, and you sit there and it's like, this beer is a world of difference, different from a macro lager. And you realize, like, what are we doing here? Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, you're telling me like your day drinker, your day-to-day -day drinker is a beer filled with disgusting all flavors and just like completely watery and gross. Like you can drink a full malt beer produced out of Czech Republic, Germany, your local lager or whatever local lager or whatever great lager is being produced in America. 
and you, I mean, granted, your price point is going to suck. Like, you're not going to be, it's not going to be as cheap. So you're sacrificing one or the other. But the flavor differences are insane. And that's where, like, a beer like you mentioned earlier, like the Petit Prince, it's like that beer is 2.9% and has, I would argue, 10 times the amount of flavor as a Bud Light or Budweiser. And it's 10 times better. Um, so it's like, yeah, there's appreciation for, like, their ability to make so much beer and make it so, so, so consistent. But like now you're asking like, you know, would you rather would you rather go to a Michelin star restaurant or eat McDonald's? Yeah, sure. McDonald's is consistent. It's great. And it does that consistency very well. But it's me it's mediocrity to consistency. Yeah. It's like I could literally just get ground beef and smash a burger and cook it hard with it, you know, like make a really good smash burger up to the quality of like, you know, in and out, shake shack, whatever. Like it's not high you know, high hoity-toity food, but it's so much better than like a, a frozen patty and whatever, you know, you know, so whatever. Uh, the analogy exists that like, yes, consistency is king when you're making that much product, but it's also just like, I mean, we only have so many years in this earth, like, <laughs> like when you enjoy McDonald's for the rest of your life, you're actually like trying to find things that are like actually, you know. Yeah. It's subjectively also- tasty, right? I don't know, whatever. It kind of brings up the other question of just like, is are some beer styles more credible than others? Like, what does that mean? What do you mean? A, like fifty point or hundred point imperial stout, like Bourbon County, in like many of its one of its many variants. Mm-hmm. Like you and I would probably take that any day over a one hundred point Kolsch or. Uh, anything adjunct lagery, you know, like our cream ale, our blonde, American blonde. Um, Depends on the context. I can't. I, I mean, I would love to drink bourbon every day, but I, I don't think I could. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably want to drink a light lager at some point. There's this Instagram account called Pilsnerist where they show screenshots of people on Untapped, and like they'll show. Uh, it says like the best Pilsner I've ever had. Like they give it a three out of five, or it says a perfect Pilsner, and it's like four out of five. And the mm-hmm. comments are like, the comments are like, what an idiot. Like, why they, if it's perfect, why they only give it a four? And I'm like, it's not that I agree with them, but I'm like, I understand the logic. Is like, they're saying like, not all beer styles are created equal. Like, a perfect pilsner oh, is only asking, yeah. a perfect pilsner to that person is only a four out of five. Whereas, like, like they would never in a million years compare the, a perfect pilsner to like an okay bourbon county, you know? <laughs> Uh, and uh yeah to me i i believe it's kind of acts like it's you, then you start getting into the territory of arguing taste as fact mm-hmm. you know and I, I you can't argue taste as fact i think it's fun to try it's it's really fun to because i can play both sides of that argument especially online i can argue either side or like you're at a bar or brewery or something like that and just like getting to, getting into those pithy arguments with people about, you know, uh, Bourbon County versus Bottle Logic versus um, Founders KBS or something like that, or like whatever like is the it it brewery of the moment, you know, like uh, oh you know like Dogfish had ninety minute IPA, that's like a world class Hall of Fame IPA, but like compared to today's hazies, it's like so boring, you know. Like you could, you could even like do that kind of uh, ex- 
like a comparison to like other art forms like movies and music you know like what our parents thought was like the greatest music and like the greatest movies like if you listen to them or watch them now you're like oh it's so boring you know um i have a feeling like that's how that's how beer is gonna be like for our kids and our grandkids like they're gonna like if, if they're still making dogfish head 90 minute you know 20 30 years from now like people are gonna be like wow that's what people thought was great beer you know back in the early 20th century i mean i guess we'll find out in a generation from now but i don't know do, do you can you argue um taste as fact and if so is it fun <laughs> yeah that's a great question actually um it's 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 dude you could write a book about this you could write a whole essay about this stuff so uh part of it i think there has to be some objective qualities to this stuff like you can't tell me a a non-alcoholic budweiser they make that right 0.0, .0 budweiser has the same quality objective qualities and taste profile as just regular Bourbon county you know i consider one of the best beers in the world like you just literally objectively can't help the same way like like a5 Wagyu, what is, how, I don't know, whatever, I don't know what the price is like per pound, whatever. A5 Wagyu, Japanese, from Japan, specific house, bread, blah, 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 versus lettuce. Mm -hmm. like, like, objectively, these are just, like, you can't tell me. Like, I don't care what you do to that lettuce. It's just, like, super, like, not even fancy lettuce, just, like, super. I think you have to do an apples to apples comparison, though, too. Like, take, like, compare Bourbon County to, like, that Kentucky bourbon, I think it's Alltech Brewing or Lexington Brewing. Yeah, uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's like exactly it, what you're about. Yeah. Like this, apples to apples, like Bourbon County versus that brand. But to me, but to me, that's apples and oranges. Like to me, that's like, like you're talking about a beer that is brewed at a specific strike, sitting on fresh Kentucky bourbon barrels for a year. What Alltech does is not that they don't they don't brew a beer that has that gravity, nor the complexity of the grain bill, nor do they sit their barrels uh, sit the beer in the barrels for that long. Um, I mean, there's just two different beers like you know one that you know uh it's, it's to me it's like a a, a a fancy you know steakhouse burger versus a mcdonald burger These are, right 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 they're different first off there's different ingredients different cooking times or aging times and the end product is vastly different products like i i don't you, if you want to do apples to apples you have to compare like room county to like marcel walker parabola or you know founders kb you know like beers that have comparable ingredients and right all tech is produced Massive. Actually, Bourbon County has produced massive. Bourbon County probably makes actually. Bourbon County might even make more beer than Kentucky Alltech. I, I actually don't know, but but they're different. Like they just don't, right? Like they don't. They, first of all, they just taste vastly different and made vastly different. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, but again, like it's context. Yeah, you're right. A piece of a, a piece of lettuce going out of the ground is different from an animal. But then, like even then, within the world of bourbon barrel aged stout. You still have vast differences, right? Like you still are doing very different things, and the end products tell you, like you've tasted these two beers, right? Like you, you can't tell me and sit between these two beers. You're having a glass, like one you could like probably see is like a dark brown color, burn county pitch, pitch, pitch black, and you can taste them, and they're just vastly different flavor profile complexities are not close, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, I don't know, apples and oranges, lettuce to beef, all tech to, <laughs> I don't know, like you're going to find some ways to, there's going to be a point where it's actually closer and there'd be points where it's further and further apart. Fine, yeah. I don't know, but so uh, it's an argument for everything. 
Like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's an argument for music, for food, or for, for beer styles. Um, and I can give you my anecdotal evidence, uh, anecdotal like my personal experience is that uh, I've come to appreciate more and more. I think, I think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. you know, like before, like more impression. I mean, that's common sense. Like when you get into craft beer, it's like, all right, what's haziest, what's biggest alcohol, what's most impression, what's got the boom, 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 boom. But as you realize that you learn more, the less, you know, <laughs> And then yeah. you get into more nuances. And, and then as you try to dig into those nuances and try to learn more, that's when you get to appreciate things with more nuance and more subtlety, et cetera, et cetera. So. Have you ever uh, taken a beer drinking tour overseas or just been overseas? <laughs> yeah, I've been to um, Japan. Um, actually, before, when I was 19, I actually got to study abroad in Prague. So I actually got to go to Pilsen and try like the fruit or fermented. Um, wow, Pilsen Quell. That's even how do they how do they pronounce they pronounce it or Quell? The to Czechs, I don't know. They, I think it's Pilsen. Pilsen or Quell. I think it's how they pronounce it. The Czechs. It's funny because on my last episode of the show with uh, Crummy Beard in England, he pronounced it Pilsner Urkel, and I I was like <laughs> I thought it was always Urkel, and then you said Urquell. so I'm like I don't know. People watching at home, out. is it Urkel or Quell or Urkel? Definitely. Because whenever, it doesn't matter which which way you pronounce it. It always reminds me of like Steve Urkel on the Family Matters in the eighties or nineties. Remember that show was on? Urquell, 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 So, and then in, by the way, you're talking about Urquell. You don't need. We're not even pronouncing the word pills are correct. By the way, so it's like, yeah. So worry about that word like the original czech word you know you're not actually pronouncing those yeah like those uh slavic languages are like super hard to learn like polish and czech and all that stuff ukrainian like i'm taking, taking czech lessons yeah, it's not fun. yeah i would love to i've i've never <laughs> been to england i floated by it when i was in the navy so, well, I, yeah so i haven't been to england i want to um, go there the i want to try like I want to go like a sleepy town in the middle of nowhere and try to find a small bar. It's like the size of my apartment. And like, if they have like a cast beer there, get like a 3.5%, yeah. you know, something. Yeah, definitely. You want to do that um, with a proper cask engine. And the best part about it, that that bar is probably older than America. So that's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the building is in, and it's been a, it's been a bar older than America has been a country. Right. Um, but I will say the uh, one of the most enlightening experiences because again you're talking to me, who's you know I've been through the channel for like twelve years now. I probably have again I just did a rant about it. Uh, the video's not posted yet, but I probably had anywhere from five to ten thousand unique beers. So it's hard for me to be shocked and impressed by anything beer wise. And one of the most recent epiphanies was when I went to uh, Colorado a couple of years ago, and uh, there's a brewery called Hogshead, which is a, um, a British expat who does just cask ale. And tasting that is just like a game changer. Like nothing I've ever tasted tastes like that. So it's actually really cool. So I do recommend going to London because I can't imagine where you know what it tastes like over there yeah. and the, the vast uh, differences of styles. Um, I haven't been to Belgium, but I've been to Barcelona, Paris, um, Budapest, Cologne, Dusseldorf, Berlin. I mean, it's probably mostly for Oktoberfest or 
No, Oktoberfest is in Munich. So I just you know, went there in summer too. Um, but, I was in but, Germany for a day once. <laughs> I was flying to when I was in the Navy. I, f I flew from Spain to Frankfurt to um, Qatar to meet my ship. <laughs> so I, I didn't really get to see much of Germany that day, but. And also, like this was two thousand three or four, so like way before I got into like beer. But yeah, yeah I definitely still the same. So <laughs> thankfully, I definitely want to do a beer drinking tour around Europe sometime. Yeah, so. I mean, just doing Belgium. I mean, you could do so much. It's Belgium, yeah. Germany, Czech Republic, Britain. Yeah, and there's even beer in like France and Spain. There's a bunch of beer. Poland. Poland has beer. Yeah, they're starting to... Like, the, the biggest beer tuber on YouTube is uh, this Polish guy. I forget his name. It's like Brower. He posted this guy. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, he only posts... He does it in Polish, and, like, there's no English subtitles. And it's, like, it's like all macro stuff, right? Plenty of craft. Um, well, what I think, like... It's it's not like he's drinking. He's not reviewing like all lager. He just reviews like whatever's the most popular. I've seen him review a lot of American beers. Like he what? only does it. He only does it in Polish though. So unless you speak Polish, um, there's no way to like get a translation on there. I've actually messaged him. I was like, can you please turn on English captions? And I forget what he said, but like he doesn't do it. But yeah, that's a story from another sub. Maybe I can get him on this show. I don't know. If, I I think he speaks English, but um. Actually, and I'm going to be talking to what the reviews are. I'm actually curious, but like I'm, I'm just more curious what actually he reviews. But you said American yeah. craft beers and lagers. I think so. Said I it's all macro lagers, like we check uh, Polish Twitter. So, hmm. well, he gets massive views. So I don't know what he's doing. I want to know what he's doing. I think it's just the difference between the European and American scene because, like, it seems like uh, you know you saw like all last year I was in the top twenty beer tubers of the month, and like. 15 out of 20 of them, they're all from the UK. You know, like you would make it up there and like Joe Senegalia would make it up in the top 20 and a couple other guys. But like other than that, they're all British guys. And I don't know what happened, but I think when Chris Steltz quit Beer Geek Nation, everybody stopped watching beer reviews on YouTube. What's his videos that big? Like what's a like a great what's a good video for him? He was. Of who? Of Chris uh Chris. Beer Geek Nation? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he hasn't made a video in like 10 years, but... No, but I mean, like back then, like, what, 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 what's it? Oh, uh, you know, like Ruination, Maharaj, like basically all, whatever was the hot IPA or the hot Imperial Stout of the moment. The problem is, like, these reviews have been sitting around for years. So, like, you know, yeah. the Fruit Council all kinds of messed up. But... Yeah, like, last time I checked, he had like 40,000 subs. That's a lot to walk away from. And I wonder how many of those people subscribed after he quit the channel i, I think i did track down crazy. i'm seeing i'm seeing view counts of like four thousand two thousand you know by beer tube standards that's pretty high yeah for beer tube standards, it's pretty high but yeah. then again like um what's his face they crush it the the uh, craft beer channel oh yeah craft beer channel yeah they're huge you're talking yeah, about real... they're at 159 and we're talking about like videos that have a few months and we're talking 25k 30k 68k 13k you know so yeah yeah that, that you're making like like documentaries essentially like every month 
And it's not, yes. they're, they're not really like reviewing beer like the way you and I review beer like every day. Like they, like they'll well, they do, do like they a, do, they do that too, though. They sprinkle in it. Yeah. They'll do like a, like flight of like 12 or 20 beers. Like, yeah. And that's, you know, like Christmas dude, beers. Are, this one right here, 400, uh, 419K, you know. The, which, uh, which video? American Macro. Blind. Yeah. Again, uh, again, I think it's just a difference between American and the British beer tube scene. People in the UK, they just love watching beer yeah. reviews. That's crazy. Right, we should wrap this up. We're going on almost two hours. Yeah. yeah so thanks like for that. thanks for doing the show. And uh, like it's funny because you know a lot of people they don't know that you and I live I don't know about 10, 15 miles apart. But like for us to actually try to get together and like even just to do this by Streamyard, you know, it's like it, like the moon has to align and the planets and stuff. You know, it's like I mean, it's not your fault. It's my fault. Like I just yeah. I, I work nights and then yeah things. i work a lot too yeah and you got kids yeah. and yeah. so it's, just like, to... it's like i have almost no excuse to like be able to get out of that yeah. door and stuff. It is uh, it's too bad you didn't when you when you moved too bad you didn't move like to my complex because there are there's two bedroom apartments here well i guess you would probably need a house now yeah you probably need you, you probably three what, you have like a, yeah three bedroom yeah all right three one all right well thanks to darwin for joining and uh, hopefully we'll meet up in person again sometime soon. Uh, I will put links to all your stuff in the show notes. So thanks for doing this, and we will see you around. All right, later, dude. All right. Thank you, man. Thanks. Bye. Bye.